This is Matt Dunn, and you're listening to Pro Lacrosse Talk. On Strider. Strider with scores! Now it's Brett Cadell scores! Hands off for Rabel, switches hands and scores! Kylie Miller showing off those shifty skills. Right off the bat, there's Lyle Thompson! That was Matt Dunn that hopped in Gage to make that save. Welcome to Season 2 of the Pro Lacrosse Talk Podcast, the voice of Pro Lacrosse. I'm Hutton, he's Adam, and together we're bringing you interviews from all your favorite players and coaches, as well as news and analysis from all four professional lacrosse leagues. We're here with Matt Dunn, 2020 PLL Defenseman of the Year, back-to-back PLL Champion with the Whipsnakes Cross Club, and Defender with the Georgia Swarm. Matt, thanks for joining us today. How are you doing? Good, good. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys. No, it's great to have you. Congrats on winning Defenseman of the Year Award, as well as, uh, you know, another PLL championship with the Whips. Uh, before we dive into the pro game, I want to start a little bit with you growing up in Towson. Uh, what age were you first introduced to the sport of lacrosse? Um, pretty young, I'd say. Probably, you know, around six, seven, eight-ish. I can't remember exactly when. Um, just growing up in Towson, you know, like all my neighbors played, a lot of classmates played and things like that. Um, I definitely was a little back and forth on my commitment to lacrosse, but I, I think I had my first stick when I was, you know, seven, eight-ish. I was going to camps at that point. That's awesome. Well, you, you stuck with it, right, since you attended Loyal Blakefield, had a great career there. Talk about playing uh, there and, and having an awesome career. Yeah, yeah. So um, even to go a little more earlier, sure. did stick with did stick with it. Um, was definitely back and forth a little bit, you know, it was fun to play, but it's, it, lacrosse is kind of one of the sports that are harder to get into at a young age, just because, mm-hmm. you know, you have a stick and it, it's difficult to use if you're not, you know, skilled with it and haven't spent time with it. So it can be frustrating. Um, so I definitely, before I got to Loyola, spent a little more time focusing on basketball and football. Um, and then kind of getting into Loyola, I got there in middle school um, and, and just so many of my friends that I played other sports with there also played lacrosse. Um, and kind of through that, by the time I got to, you know, sixth, seventh grade, um, I actually made the switch from midfield to defense, which made, made a pretty big difference for me as far as my, like, success and enjoyment in the game because I, I really wasn't the most skilled midfielder out there. Um, but, yeah, so that made it, you know, made it fun for me. And then just being able to play with all my classmates and obviously Loyola is known to have um, a strong lacrosse program and a lot of the guys that went there were good players. So just being around those people – um, made me enjoy the game more. So yeah, just continuing that path through Loyola um, definitely helped my advancement. Just being around people that worked hard and played the sport and grew up around the sport, having coaches that you know really knew the game well, and going into a program that had a history of being successful made the idea of playing for that program really exciting. That's awesome. Yeah, I uh, so I moved. I'm actually in Towson now. I live in Towson now. Okay. Oh, yeah, nice. And, uh, I'm coaching at BL with Coach Farrell. Um, awesome yeah so uh, this was my first uh taste last season unfortunately got cut short uh with the MIAA talk about that kind of rivalry you know it's I'm I'm from the Philly area so public school lacrosse is big out that way so yeah Uh my first experience of the MIAA this past season yeah and and, you know it's funny I was in the same boat um I was actually back Loyola this past spring helping to coach out helping to coach I was really excited about it same deal you know a couple couple weeks in get three games in and then the yeah. season gets cut um so I feel your pain there mm-hmm. but yeah you know it was uh just like even as a younger guy growing up um and getting to Loyola in sixth grade but going and watching some of the varsity games and remember going to see them play 
um, you know, at Towson University, or Johns Hopkins in like a, a big championship or quarterfinal game where you're watching guys like Mike Kimmel or Steel Stanwick or Joe Cummings and those guys, um, you know, all play out their high school careers and, um, you know, play for championships. And then the environment in those games was incredible, like going to a Loyola Boys Latin game when, you know, Boys Latin had Travis Reed and Loyola had, had Steel. And I think it was at, that might have been at UMBC, um, one of the games. And it was just, I remember the environment was just packed. And I remember it just as like a, you know, a sixth or seventh grader thinking like how cool that was. Um, and so that, that was most of the lacrosse experience I knew. Mm-hmm. Um, but definitely, like, amongst all the schools around here, you always saw uh, each school had, like, their couple years, whether it's Boys Latin for a couple, St. Paul's got a championship, Loyola, um, Gilman, Calvert Hall. But just going to those games and, and being there always made me, like, really excited to eventually be that guy that got to play in those games. Um, so that experience definitely made it more exciting for me to, you know, continue playing, especially at a school like Loyola. No, that's awesome. And then, you know, you took your talents to Maryland, uh, played under coach John Tillman. Uh, were your sights always on becoming a Terrapin or were you kind of looking at other schools? I mean, what was the recruiting process for you like? Yeah, um, I, I always, you know, I always had a connection to Maryland just growing up. My parents went there. Um, so I was always a, a Maryland sports fan, uh, mostly like honestly growing up, mostly like basketball, um, a little bit of football, but their football team was never that good. But, you know, when I was in eight or nine Maryland wins the national championship in basketball. Um, And my dad was a big basketball fan. So like growing up, we would go to a couple games in college park um, and always watch them on TV. So I was, was a a Maryland basketball or Maryland sports fan um, and just affiliated with the school. You know, when it, when it came time to get recruited, I wasn't um, that heavily recruited early on by some of the bigger schools, ACC or, or a couple big 10, but um, I was actually looking more Ivy league, just, it was where I was getting more interest and, you know, kind of focusing on getting my SAT scores to a certain level and grades and all that. So for a little while, my interest was more um, in those schools, partially just because their interest was in me. So those were who was responding to my emails. Um, After my junior year or halfway through my junior year, um, I started to get some interest from, from more schools, some of the ACC schools and uh, Maryland reached out and I was, excited and I, I thought you know back in my mind I thought I might want to go there um but I hadn't checked it out from a lacrosse perspective meaning I haven't really met with the coaches and seen how the program operates behind the scenes and then I went and visited in May of my junior year um so towards the end of our high school season and it was the day before they went and played North Carolina in the uh, quarterfinals. Mm-hmm. And I, that was, that was actually uh, the Brian Farrell fake flip game. If you remember that. So yeah, I went I to their, yeah. I went to their, um, their pregame practice for that. And I just, I just loved it right away. I thought coach Tillman was awesome. He really just kind of makes you feel important and welcome there. Um, the, the culture and the team vibe, maybe it was just because they're about to go play in a quarterfinal game, but it was just the guy, the, the way the energy in the locker room and the film room and all that stuff and on the field was just, it was contagious and, and something that I, I wanted to be around. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of knew the gut feeling right after I went there is like, I want to be here. Um, and so after speaking with him and they were, they were saying, you know, if, if you want to commit, there's, you know, a spot for you here. Um, it, you know, I, I thought it out a little bit, but in my stomach, I knew that that's where I wanted to be. So shortly after that, um, I called Coach Tillman up and, and made my commitment. 
Awesome. And, and you crushed it while you were there, right? You, you were a captain, two-time All-American, went to three Final Fours, two national championships. Talk about kind of what made those teams so successful. Um, was, it, was it just like the, that group of guys? Was it Coach Tillman? Was it a group uh, effort kind of what, what really went into that success? Yeah, um, there, there's, I'm sure you could pin it to a number of things. I think it, you know, the guys that were there for sure, um, the players ahead of me when I got there, I just remember being in awe at, you know, their skill, but also just their, um, their mindset and work ethic and the way they approach the game. Because I learned so much from those guys. And that combined with kind of the culture the coaching staff was setting. Um, Coach Tillman has done a really good job with that. In, in setting the right culture at Maryland. Um, and so just a combination of being in an environment where, A, you have players that are so skilled, but they're, they're very skilled, but they also, you know, they're about getting the job done there. Um, so I, remember, I just remember walking in my freshman year and the first practice we had um, was actually a red and white scrimmage. So basically the first day we were in pads, we, we just played a game against each other. And I just remember being a freshman, close defenseman, watching guys like Michael Earhart and Jesse Bernhardt run around the field and make these plays. And I was literally to myself, like, I'm never going to play here. Like, I am, like, watching them do that. I was like, I'll never be able to do those things. Um, and just, like, setting that. And, and, you know, that was, like, the first day shock. And you kind of you, you pick up to the speed of things over the course of the first couple months. Um, it's a struggle for sure. But you know, having a good coaching staff there and being willing to put in the time and having players like that set an example definitely puts in your mind like, hey, if I want to stick around and play here, I better figure out how to do that. Um, and so that kind of lights the fire for you to be like, I got to figure out a way to get a lot better and keep up with these guys. Um, so just that kind of competitive environment. I think a lot of the guys there play with that, like have that competitive nature of wanting to whether it's earn a spot in the fall, a lot of times off season, your competition is with your teammates. Like you're not really thinking about like, like Virginia or Duke or anybody you're thinking about, like, how do I get my spot on the field? And you're competing with the other defensemen there. Um, so there's a lot of that type of competition. That was just set by watching guys, the guys you were going against and be like, how do I pick up to that? So that kind of flights the fire for everybody's out there, like kind of putting in their extra work to try to earn those spots. And what did you do, you know, during those off seasons to kind of, again, take your game to the next level each year as a, you know, in college, was there anything in particular uh, that you kind of really worked on Were you the guys that you, you know, offensive guys that you kind of worked with to kind of hone your skills? Yeah. Um, it, it was a, a lot of different things. It kind of progressed throughout my time there each year. I think there was different things that I needed to focus on to get better. Um, my freshman year was, there was a ton of things like, like any freshman, you, you come in and we had coach Conry, Kevin Conry came in at the same time. He was an awesome coach, but you know, he was pretty, pretty like, I don't want to say cutthroat, but he was pretty intense in the fact that like he, he wanted to make you the best version of yourself. And so, you know, as a freshman, you're, you're probably nowhere close to the best version of yourself. So there's a lot of stuff to work on. Um, and so for me with him, a it was understanding like what, is going on. So learning defense from a, a side that I never really learned it from before. Um, and the amount of time you spend on defensive principles in college is just way more than anything you've ever done in high school. So um, your head starts spinning a little when you start throwing in, like when we go into this offense, here's what they do. Here's how we slide. Here's how we're going to play all the picks. Like here's, uh, you know, our clears, here's um, 
you know, all these different, here's our invert defense, here's our man down. You're just like, wow, like I just, I just wanted to go running around and chase the ball. Like, <laughs> um, so learning that, so spending a lot of time with him, um, you know, with him, uh, just extra time, like watching film with him helped me a ton getting the IQ part down. My thought going in was, I was looking at some of these guys like, you know, Mike Earhart, Gordon Murray, um, Jesse Bernhardt, I was like, they're just better athletes than me. So I was like, I need to figure out a way to get on the field. Um, and it's probably not going to be by being faster than Gorin mm-hmm. or, you know, have a, you know, more athletic than Jesse. It's going to be finding a way to understand what's going on, be, see if I can be the off ball guy, see if I can be a good communicator just to help the, the team play better. Um, so that's kind of what I focused on. I think primarily is trying to fill that role as a freshman. And so I, I just, I tried my best to just communicate at time um, and learn, be the guy that understood what was going on. On top of that, Coach County, you know, they always challenging me, like challenging us, like, hey, like, you know, call you like slow or something, or, like make you like, like, hey, you got to keep working on your footwork. Like it's, it's, you know, it's getting better, but you got to keep working on that. So for me, I was like, I got to be able to cover the ball also. Um, so I worked a lot on my footwork at first and then just like understanding IQ and stuff. So I actually was able to get on the field my freshman year just by understand. I think I showed them I could play the ball well enough, but I wasn't going to be like the cover guy, but also showing them that I could understand like what to do, when to do it and just play smart um, because they had three close defensemen returning and Michael Earhart, Brian Cooper and, um, and Goran. But they ended up moving Brian Cooper to short stick D midi right before the spring started because they felt comfortable that I could play a little bit down there. So I just got lucky; he was able to play then. Um, and then just throughout my career, that I think that actually helped me a ton because I spent so much time early on trying to learn how to be an off ball defenseman. Um, and then as I play, like over the years, I kept getting like better feet and a little stronger, just doing a ton of jump rope and footwork drills. And eventually, the time came when. You know, Gorin was out for his senior year, so my junior year, and now we needed a cover guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was a, the next transition was going from being more of an off-ball focused defender to playing on the ball, um, which is a little bit of an intimidating. I was excited about it, but a little bit of an intimidating thing when, like, you know, people never really looked at me as the cover guy. Um, so that was a big challenge for me at that point to really get my, my footwork down. I spent a ton of time just working on just – you know, covering the ball, doing a ton of jump rope, a lot of footwork drills, watching a lot of film and understanding like how to play the ball and getting stronger. Um, and then kind of going into my junior year, learning how to play that role a little more. No, that's great. It's kind of cool to see how, you know, you kind of took a bunch of different skills uh, each year that you, you know, were uh, in college and kind of, you know, put it all together. And, you know, that's kind of what led to you becoming defensive player of the year uh, this year. But before we get into that, I want to talk a little bit about, I hate to bring up old wounds, but you know, you had a lot of success in Maryland, um, but, you know, that championship kind of eluded you. You know, you guys made it 2015, 2016. Unfortunately, didn't end the way you wanted it. Um, then you watched your teammates, you know, at Maryland win in 2017 after you had graduated. You're also on that Dallas Rattlers team that lost in the MLO championship in 2018. Um, then finally, 2019, new league, new team, the Whip Snakes, who are with a lot of your old teammates. What kind of led to you guys putting that all together and winning that championship in year one? And did that light a fire under you too, going into that season, knowing that you were going to play with a bunch of your old teammates and that, you know, you had another shot at winning a championship? It definitely does, you know, um, because to that point, like it, it, 
we have we played with so many or i thought were really good teams um and it's really difficult to get to that spot um but to get there that frequently and then lose kind of like it, it stings differently um because you're kind of just like damn like we've been here so much like can we just like get over this hurdle like are we cursed or like what is it um so it was actually it was actually you know it was great seeing the guys that i played with bringing home the next year um just because like you play with guys for that long and everybody kind of shares in the um you know what it takes to get there and like just as a program getting over that hump was awesome and especially so many guys that i knew so well doing it mm -hmm. um but yeah even moving forward like kind of having to your point um two in college finishing off two in college and getting to one in the pros i finished it all i finished off my high school senior year with a championship loss um so it kind of was it was like you kind of formed this like mental you know storyline in your head and you're like damn it can't we just get one <laughs> um so winning that one last year especially with those Maryland guys was, was awesome because not only did I feel like personally, like it was great to win one, but so many of those guys were there with me in the locker room um, that, you know, didn't get one and were finished off our careers with back-to-back -back championship losses. Mm -hmm. um, so to do it, to do it at all was great, but to do it with those guys was extra special. Um, and kind of just like, it was a big sigh of relief. Like you don't get everybody, a lot of people ask, like, are you, you know, you like getting, um, them back like no you don't get them back like what happened happened college was college and um don't get it back but it's you know we're, it's still something that matters a lot to us and like whatever season you're in and whatever game you're playing is the most important one there so um you know it's not like uh you kind of finish those college seasons and a part of you is like that's the end of my lacrosse career you know you don't really know what's going to happen like the pros game has evolved so much in the last couple of years mm -hmm you don't really focus on it that much when you're in college because at that time, like the division ones, the college across the field, like everything. Mm -hmm. um, so finishing those games, partially to your side, you're like, that's it. We'll never get to play with these guys again. We'll never like get to compete with them again. Never get an opportunity to like win a big game with them. Like all those things, having that opportunity these last few years and succeeding in it, it's been a really awesome kind of, you know, recent career trajectory and um, just experiences, you know, getting like getting to those points playing with the those teams that are skilled but then finally not just getting having great seasons getting to the championship and bombing it again mm -hmm. you know actually finishing those um it does feel really good to do it especially with those guys well if, if there was a curse you've certainly reversed it right you went a couple of years without one but now back to back right talk about uh this yeah in a little bit uh this championship series Obviously, it was a lot different of an environment, right, than year one in the abbreviated format. But obviously, it didn't face you guys. Talk about kind of how you prepared differently, maybe, uh, for the sprint that was the PLL Championship Series. Yeah, it was it was different. Um, I think, you know, the big, the obvious big thing is it, it's short. So mm -hmm. there's not a lot of opportunity to, you can make mistakes, but there's not a lot, of, like, in a normal season, like, you can have two, three bad weeks and you have weeks in between to correct things or somebody gets a little banged up or like you didn't come in in shape, like in a regular season, you're on your best shape week one in May. Well, like the championships in September. So you can like figure out things like you had to come in to this basically ready to go. Mm -hmm. um, but mentally, like you don't have a lot of time to you have three weeks there tops and you don't have time to like figure out other issues and problems. So you got to come in pretty ready to go and you got to be able to make adjustments on the fly. 
you can't, you got to be able to work with your teammates well. If there's like team problems, like those aren't get fixed in two weeks, spending that much time around each other. Um, so you kind of have to just come in ready to go and, and be able to adapt on the fly. Um, kind of the weird feeling to it was you get into like halfway through your time there, you got a couple of days of training camp for regular games or whatever before the play, the playoffs. Um, and then you finish those and all of a sudden you're like, okay, start to feel like I'm getting back in like game form, like getting used to like the, the speed and the contact and all that. And you're like, well, the championship's in like six days. So we're pretty much already halfway done until next year. So it just all happened so fast. Um, you know, I wasn't really sure how it was going to go from like a playing standpoint. I thought it went well. Um, and it, it was difficult because the one of the more difficult things is that you're getting mentally and emotionally prepared for games nonstop. Um, and so for us, I, I think what was, you know, looking back at impressive is that not only did we win, but we, we won every game. Um, and it it's not easy to do that because the talent there is that everybody's basically good enough that if you have a, a bad enough day, anybody's good enough to beat anybody else. Mm -hmm. um, so what I was impressed with with our group is just being able to, it wasn't always pretty, but we had enough of it, enough guys each game that were, you know, mentally um, prepared enough to, you know, fight through a game. And we weren't always winning. Some, especially the last two games, you know, we cut it pretty close where the stakes were high. And I'm just, you know, really impressed and proud of our group to be able to, you know, be resilient enough to, to stick it through those games after, you know, just a pretty fatiguing series physically, mentally, emotionally of all those games in a short amount of time. Yeah, no, and talk to me a little bit about that, that adversity you guys faced in that final championship game. You're down 6-3 heading into the fourth quarter, backs against the wall. What was the conversation like before you guys started that final quarter? Um, you know, what did Coach Stagg say kind of in the huddle? Um, and how do you guys think you guys were able to turn around and, you know, get that second championship? Yeah, I mean, I think that that we, we throughout the the series, we kind of had different games where different teams, parts of our team were balanced in different ways. So, you know, we had games where our defense struggled more than our offense and we had to pick it up defensively. I think that game in particular, we felt pretty good defensively. Mm -hmm. Um I think Blaze reared in for the chaos, played incredible, particularly in the first three quarters, which made it difficult um, for our offense to get into a groove. And I think when you play a goalie like that, guys, you get a couple good looks. Like even like Zed had two or three really good looks early on and got stuffed on the crease. And so I think guys were kind of like gripping their sticks tighter because they're like, how do we score on Blaze? Um, so for, you know, I think for, for us going into towards the end of the game, like, we were saying amongst ourselves defensively, like we we're like, we feel pretty good. Like they're not, they weren't getting many good shots and they weren't doing anything. The couple goals we were giving up were like, we're like, damn, like I was right there. Should have slid in dinner. Like we had every, had no point where it was like our head spinning and offensively we were like, you know, we're getting some good looks. Um, I think it was as nice once one or two, I think Brad Smith made a big play off the end line where he got a goal and somebody else scored. John Hall's had a good goal. And then once we started one or two went in, you kind of just see body language change from those guys. So, our, I mean, I think our messaging was we don't have to do anything crazy different. Just like you guys are on the offensive end, you guys are so talented. Just be confident and, you know, don't stop shooting and don't overthink it. Because I think when you start playing a goalie that's so good, you shoot, but you like try to hit the top corner every time. And like, you, when that, whereas when you're comfortable, you just see a big patch of net and you just let it fly. Mm -hmm. um, 
So I just think, you know, throughout the game, just we we tried to do a really good job of not being a team that um, imploded or like when things got tough, we started pointing fingers at each other. So just even when things weren't going great, just showing that we had confidence in ourselves and our teammates and, and never making it like a, you guys, you guys better pick it up because you suck. Like just like being a very like, like very supportive of them. Um, and fortunately, you know, you had a guy like Zed score four goals in two minutes and, and everybody else kind of stepped it up and things worked out. Um, but, you know, from, from like, from my standpoint, like really like if we can start scoring goals, like we feel pretty good about holding it down on our end. Kyle was playing well. And then Joe Nardella started winning face off as soon as we started scoring. And I mean, you can't just undervalue how um, important he was for our championship. The whole series of just getting the ball, um, allowing our offensive guys to make those plays. That's great. Kind of speaking to those guys a little bit. Um, some of them, including Zed, was one of your teammates with the Georgia Swarm. Uh, he's off to Colorado now, but you resigned with the Swarm. So let's talk a little bit about uh, you kind of moved to the box game a little bit. Um, what's it been like playing box at the pro level and how's that really kind of helped your field game, you know, and kind of vice versa, maybe? Yeah, it, it's been um, it's been awesome. I, I've really enjoyed it. It's been cool for a number of reasons. I think a, I think the game is so much fun. It's it's very fast paced. It's physical. Um, the skill level is through the roof of what those guys can do with a lacrosse stick, and just um, it, it's really awesome being in a different lacrosse environment. So kind of like I didn't really know much about box lacrosse growing up at all. It's kind of this whole hidden world of lacrosse mm -hmm. that I never knew about. So there's these guys that you know I never would have heard their name growing up that are some of the best lacrosse players in the world and insanely skilled. So for me, it's been cool just learning so much about the different, you know, the other side of lacrosse and um, seeing that whole environment again to travel to these places, you know, whether it's places in upstate New York or Canada um, that I never really would have gone to otherwise and getting to go and meet these people and learn how to play a different style of lacrosse there um, very competitively has been really cool for for me and my lacrosse journey. Um, you know, I think, uh, I think from like a, a, a player standpoint, um, it's just, there's a ton that like kind of can translate over between the games. I think it helps the O guys a ton. Um, I think defensively, it, it kind of just, you, you play with a short stick. Um, so that's new for me. Like I yep. never played with a short stick since <laughs> I was way younger. Um, but, you know, it kind of just teaches you to, um, a, you have to be comfortable with the ball. So a lot of defensemen, if like a lot, most defensemen, I would say at like the professional level or collegiate level, probably played midfield until they were like, you know, 12, 13, and then switched over. And so a lot of those guys, like at least for a little while, had like a little bit of an offensive mindset. So feel comfortable enough clearing the ball and all that. But if you play close defense your whole life and never, got like any offensive work or short stick work, like you might just not feel comfortable running the ball over, like running through traffic or making a play in transition. Whereas like an indoor game, every game you get the ball, like there's no space. You better just run and find a way to get it down the floor to somebody else. Um, so I think it's good for that reason. It makes you as a long pole that in field might be able to get away without having to handle the ball much aside from throwing it over or throwing it to a midi you have to learn how to be comfortable and make decisions with the ball on your stick. Um, not that I'm, you know, 
great at that by any means, but I'm definitely better than I think I would have been otherwise just being forced to make those decisions. Um, and then, you know, just from like a communication standpoint, it just things happen so fast in the indoor game, pick plays huge. Um, if you're not, if you're not able to like listen to what your teammates are saying to you or communicate to your teammates, it's, you're just going to get destroyed. Um, literally like the picks, they'll, you know, run full speed and blow you up in the back and you'll just end up on your hands and knees if you're not, uh, if you're not, you know, sharp at that. Um, whereas the field game's a little more one-on-one, -on -one, especially from a defensive standpoint, picking's becoming a lot bigger and outdoor, but still like being big and athletic and being able to cover the ball is a big deal. In the indoor game, there's not a ton of one-on-one -on -one matchups at all. It's almost all two-man pick play. So being able to speak through that and, and communicate through that, I think is a really challenging skill in indoor that it only helps your communication and all that in outdoor. No, that's great. And, uh, you know, going off of that too, um, you've kind of developed your skills as a player. You're also kind of teaching the next generation. Uh, you're doing a lot with first class lacrosse run by Deemer class, your former loyal Blakefield teammate, I believe. Um, yep. How's it been coaching with first class and what was it like having to adapt to teaching online since, you know, the pandemic kind of, through a wrench into like in-person training. How, how was that adjustment? Yeah, it's been good. You know, I, I love, um, I really enjoy teaching and coaching. Um, I, I loved what the Deemer has been doing um, on the offensive side. And I, I always thought I was lucky just to have gotten such great coaching. I got really good coaching at the high school level. And then at the collegiate level, I just, you know, I feel like I got so much better from my coaching um, that I received. So I think especially, you know, for me, like I was, like I said, one of those guys that I never was able to just show up and I wasn't going to show up at Maryland and be on the field. I had to learn how to get better to play. Um, and so I feel that, you know, there's a lot of value in being taught how to play the right way. And it's just, it's difficult for players to get that coaching all over the place. So it's exciting for me to get the opportunity to work with a lot of guys and, and teach them the digital stuff. Um, you know, it's good, but it's challenging. Like anybody that coaches knows, like it's, do you want to be there in person? Mm -hmm. um, the instruction, it's a little, it's better. It's more fun. It's easier to demonstrate things and, and show people in person. The digital wasn't, it was a nice adjustment because we had to. Um, it, it, you know, I still think the in-person stuff is the bread and butter, but it kind of showed us that there's still ways to, to interact with people, especially with technology today. Um, that might not be perfect, but we had to get, it's a lot of the trial and error. We did a lot, a lot of getting creative, but there's ways to add value to players. And it all depends on the type of player you're working with. Some people, some guys can sit in front of a computer and, and pay attention and talk to you. Some guys just like, you know, they, it's not for them, just different learning styles in school. They, some guys need somebody there to like get in there, you know, get in their face and tell them exactly what to do. Um, but it was cool because I actually got the opportunity to, work with guys that I would never have worked with otherwise, um, you know, in Seattle and California and all those areas just by hopping on a computer. Um, now, my, I might have preferred to do it in person, but I would have never been able to travel around in person, have as many interactions with those guys. So it, it was a little frustrating trying to figure out the best way to do it, but it was pretty cool getting the opportunity to um, get creative, do some digital stuff and work with guys in all different areas and kind of build a little bit wider of a base geographically than we would have otherwise. Yeah, that's great. And I think you guys are doing a great job, you know, growing the game and to areas that maybe aren't, you know, as familiar to lacrosse. So I think you guys are doing a great job with that. Uh, we're going to take a quick break here. A word from our sponsor and affiliates. 
and then we'll dive into our five and five segment. Today, I also want to talk to you about our affiliate, Players Academy. Are you looking to improve your lacrosse game from home? Players Academy, started in part by multiple Hall of Fame lacrosse players, including Jay Jalbert, currently offers premier lacrosse online video instructional training courses from two of the top players in the world today, Atlas attackman Rob Pinnell and Archers midfielder Tom Schreiber. You can learn how to run the two-man game, perform Rob Pinnell's signature question mark dodge, attack from X, work the island, and more in these fun-to-watch lacrosse courses. We've also teamed up with Players Academy to offer a special $25 off your Players Academy course of choice. Simply use the code PLT at checkout and start learning from the best in the game today. All right, so welcome back. Now we're going to dive into our five and five segment. I'll ask you five lacrosse questions, Matt. Adam will take it over with uh, five off the field questions. So to start, I want to know, do you have any pregame superstitions or routines? No, I, I don't really. Um, I, I just, I don't really do headphones stuff. I kind of just, I like being in the locker room with the guys. So um, I don't really have any type of um, like stick taping ritual or things I do. Um, I try not to get locked in that because I've actually found if I get too, you know, superstitious with anything, if for some reason I can or don't do it, I don't want to like mess things. I guess I'm superstitious about not being superstitious because I don't want I don't want to lock myself into anything where like, oh no, I forgot to tape today, and like now I'm in my own head for the whole game. I just I I like I like listening to the music that's playing in the locker room. I like being around the guys and kind of just I do spend some time just like sitting by myself trying to get mentally running through like scenarios that might happen in the game and, and what the game plan is and kind of how we're going to execute. Um, but other than that, just kind of relax and get ready to play. Awesome. And then which of your rival teams and really any league can be NLL or PLL um, or even, you know, maybe in college, but did you enjoy playing against the most or that you currently enjoy playing against? I will just go PLL because it's kind of the, the current one. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think the, the, the Redwoods have kind of proven a good game for us the last couple, the last two seasons, be it, you know, championship last year to um, opening game this year to semifinals this year. I, I just think they're a team similar to us that kind of has like a, a college contingency to it. So them being like a Notre Dame base um, adds a little extra fire to it because, you know, we would play all those guys in college. I've been playing against a lot of those guys, you know, for eight plus years now. Um, I just think they're a team that plays really hard. So um, those games are always competitive. And then I think an obvious one is just going back to Cod. And we always had um, really big games against Hopkins. Just the Maryland Hopkins games were always cool. Um, just the history behind it. Um, we always play talented teams there. And the games were always battles. And, like, it was always fun getting to go play at, like, a Homewood field, um, being from Baltimore. But that environment was just – awesome and, and and those were games that are kind of always like i always remember no oh, yeah for sure we're hoping that uh we get to see atlas whips uh in baltimore next year as well and unfortunately i'm hoping so i love yeah. that one that was great adam and i were both at uh at baltimore last year and it's just a great environment so hoping we can get back there again yeah um, number three what has been your favorite venue to play lacrosse at going off of the homewood thing uh is it homewood or is it you know uh bird stadium i think i i loved playing I, I just think I love playing at Homewood. Um, maybe it's just for me being from Baltimore that like, I, you know, I remember growing up in that area and it's just, especially, you know, we played there one time my senior year in college, we played there like three weeks in a row because we played Hopkins their regular season. Then the big 10 tournament was there. And so 
and we went with it. We, were, we won like all three games. So we actually started calling it Birdwood. Um, <laughs> and so at that point, like, I, we, we, we loved playing there. We never, you know, we, some schools, like you might not like go into as much, but for us, we loved playing. There it was an awesome environment. You know, we were having some success. Um, you know, I love playing, I love playing at Bird because, you know, it was home for us and just being in Maryland was so great. I would just say from a like a facility standpoint, like when you play in Bird, you're playing in a pretty big football stadium mm-hmm. where even if you have 10, 12,000 people, it still feels like there's still some emptiness there. Mm-hmm. Just from a player environment, playing in a, a stadium where if you have 10, 12,000 people and it's packed, is um, it's pretty special. So, you know, I, I could make the argument for either there. Um, I've just, you know, playing in Burden College and then playing there last year was the what that was a really exciting game too. Just having all my family and friends being able to come to the game, getting a win and a nice night game there was was awesome. No, that's great. And then number four, who's a teammate that you kind of leaned on as a mentor during your career? It could be, you know, a teammate from college or even the pros. Oh yeah. I I mean I'm sure I have a number of them. Um from college, I think guys like um guys like Mike Earhart and Jesse Bernhardt, I kind of, you know, were always like guys I looked up to that were two, three years ahead of me. Um, Jesse spent time as like the volunteer assistant at Maryland also after he graduated. So he was around for a little. Um, so looking, looking at those guys professionally, um, you know, getting the opportunity to still play with like some of those Maryland guys has been great. But even when I was, you know, playing in Rochester, um, kind of my transition to the indoor game had a lot to do with those guys. There was a pretty good leadership group on that team. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you know, Joel White, uh, Mike Manley, Jordan McIntosh, John Galloway, those guys. Um, those are the guys that actually got me into playing indoor because Jordan McIntosh was the captain of the Swarm. Um, Joel White played for the Swarm. Uh, John Ranning at the time was playing for the Swarm. Um, Mike Manley played in, in Rochester, I believe. So all those guys were playing indoor. And I would ask them questions about it. And they were kind of guys that were, um, I, would, I would say for my transition to the indoor game, they were kind of guys that I leaned on a lot and were just like such great guys and, you know, being, being open to being a mentor, um, you know, talking me through experiences, helping me get trials and all that stuff. So I'd say, you know, I had my guys at Maryland and then a number of guys I played with in the pros that were just, I was lucky to be on great teams with great mentors that were, you know, willing to help me out. No, that's awesome. And then uh, more of like a, a vanity thing and, you know, kind of a, a weapon of choice thing. What is your current stick setup uh, in terms of stringing head? Where are you rocking these days? Yeah, I've been using, um, I've been using the East Coast dye stuff. So I've been using their, I use their DNA head this past season. Um, those guys, they, uh, they've just been great to me. They went to Loyola Blakefield, so I've known them. Um, I didn't really know them then. They're a little ahead of me, but I've gotten to know them post uh post high school and college and they've just been awesome from you know they're local so they'll let me use their facility in Towson to go you know um go do some work shooting run some lessons and things like that and they'll just like basically if I need a head they they string it up and get it to me pretty quickly and I like the way they've strung for me one of the big things is I don't string my own heads I've tried before they just I never like the way they turn out so finding having somebody that in locally that can consistently string a good head as well as actually them having the head um it's been great so I I, I stick with those guys they got me the DNA um just like a you know mid-level pocket with like a U in it kind of thing um has worked for me I'm pretty I'm pretty low maintenance when it comes to 
when it comes to my stick. That's great. Yeah, I uh, I actually played with Mike and Greg in college at E Town, so I know I know okay. pretty well. They're, yeah, they're awesome. Awesome dudes. So I I just enjoy I enjoy being around them too. So I've you know liked working with them. That's great. Awesome. So uh, moving to the off the field questions. I know lacrosse takes up probably most of your time, right? But what are some kind of hobbies or activities you enjoy when you're not on the field? Yeah, yeah. Good, great question. Probably changed in the last six months with yep. COVID stuff. But um, I like uh, I love playing pickup sports. So we play uh, like I, I haven't played basketball in a while, but I used to play a lot of pickup basketball. We play a lot of three by. So we have like a little group in Baltimore of guys that you know, either played pro, used to play, or played college. So get fiddlestick goal, go on a basketball court, use short sticks and tennis balls, and play some, like, three-on-three lacrosse. Um, in the last, like, couple months, we've been able to, like, get outside and do that. And that, that's been, like, a, a really fun kind of pastime. Other than that, you know, just traveling around, doing eye training stuff, like to travel, um, and then just kind of hanging out with, you know, friends in the area. Uh, number two, who's a player in a different sport other than lacrosse that you really enjoy watching right now? Ooh, right now, good question. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, probably a basketball guy. I watch a lot of lacrosse, so it's like I mean, I think growing up, growing up, I used to be like, I used to be a big like basketball fan because that was my main sport. So I would watch like. I would watch like Michael Jordan highlights all the time, or like I would watch Kobe live, and those were the guys that I would go watch and then yeah. go on the driveway and try to do stuff to to emulate. Um, Trying to think right now if there's like a, a guy I really like watching. Um, I mean, I like watching. I I used to just like I liked watching like Russell Westbrook play mm-hmm. just because I just thought he played so hard and he was so explosive and dynamic. Um, I, I'd be lying if I said I like constantly watch the NBA right now and watch him play a lot but I mean there's a couple of guys like that, that I just think are, are so so athletically impressive that and and they pl- mentally they just play so hard watching a guy like him um you know make plays on both ends of the floor mm-hmm. and just like play with such passion I think it's like a it's a cool thing to watch yeah for sure so are you a Wizards fan if you had to pick a squad or is that being from Baltimore I guess I guess like I I, I yeah, when I was younger, I used to go to some games. Like, I used to have a Gilbert Arenas jersey. Nice. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, um, <laughs> yeah, so go to those games. But I, I haven't, like, in the last couple of years, I haven't really gotcha. – they haven't had that much success. Maybe, no. <laughs> if they, maybe if they were winning, I'd hop on yeah. the bandwagon. But I remember a couple of years ago watching them, like – I mean, the East, I mean, Eastern Conference was struggling for a while, so yeah. watching them play the Celtics, and they almost – they almost won the series, yeah. but um, I just, yeah, I wouldn't really call myself a Wizards <laughs> fan. However, however, if they pick it up in the next five years, you might catch me on the bandwagon. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, number three, I know it's probably not something you're doing right now, but favorite spot to vacation? Oh, man. Consistently, mm-hmm. we, so my parents have a house in Bethany Beach in Delaware, okay. and that's where we would just go on family vacation pretty much every year. Um, I would have to say that probably my favorite to go to just because like, it's kind of like that, that area, you know, it just has a lot of memories there kind of home away from home, easy enough trip. Well, I just love being at the beach too. Um, and so that's probably an easy one. Try to think I, I love, I, I do like traveling. So I, I like balancing the beach. I also like, like even just being in Utah, we didn't get to see much there, but 
I do also just like being out and it's awesome to seeing like mountains in different parts of the country. So, um, you know, I'll go with Bethany beach, but there's a ton of areas that I really like to go to and check out. You can never go wrong with the beach, right? That's never yeah. a bad choice, right? No. Uh, number four, uh, what's your favorite meal? Do you prefer to dine out, take out or cook at home? Mm. Yeah. Favorite meal I'll probably go, I, I've gone back and forth with this one. I do like like a really good Italian meal is great. Um, like a good chicken parm, I think it's probably, I'd have to probably pin down that as my favorite meal. Um, I like for that, I would dine out. I don't make a good chicken parm um, consistently. I do enjoy cooking though. And so we have, especially during quarantine, we've done more of that. Um, I don't, you know, I don't really cook much fancy, kind of stick to the basics. But I just, I like the process of like cooking. It's kind of like one of those, you know, one of those things, that, you know, just a thing you get into kind of mindlessly and it's an enjoyable thing. It's nice feeling able and competent enough in the kitchen right. to make some of my own food. So that's awesome. Yeah. Go down to Little Italy and go get some Amici's. Did you ever go down to Little Italy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. And then I actually, I worked in Annapolis for a couple of years. Um, and my, one of my good buddies and ex-teammates, Nick Manis, who played for the Bayhawks there, lives mm -hmm. in the area, and I would go spend a lot of time with them. And they go to a place called Carpaccio right off West okay. Street, yeah. um, and that, that's a really good chicken farm, so that's probably one of the better ones I've had, or in the area at least. Stuff. The, long, the Long Island guys will tell you otherwise, but... <laughs> yep, yep, absolutely, right? Stuff. Yeah. Uh, that's awesome. And then my, my last question, uh, especially with quarantine, people have been binging a lot or, or reading a lot. What's a book or TV show uh, maybe right now that you're watching or reading you'd recommend? Yeah, I wish I, I wish I could say I was reading more than I was right now. I've been, I've been meaning to, I will, I will soon. Um, I've been watching actually, recently I've been watching Breaking Bad. Okay. Um, so I, I watched the first three or four seasons like my freshman year in college. Um, and the, the fifth season hadn't come out yet at that point. And I just never, it's one of those things where like you wait another year and I just never watched it. Yep. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm rewatching now, I'm only the third season. Um, but it's kind of nice because it was so long ago, I kind of forget everything that happened. So I'm just watching Breaking Bad again. It's been awesome. Um, but yeah, I've, I've probably been watching a little more TV than I historically would. I go through phases, so. I'll knock out Breaking Bad, then maybe I'll try to get back into some books. I'm, I'm kind of the same way. Like uh, right now, I'm just starting to get back into listening to audiobooks on my commute. And I think that's part of it is now that I'm actually, I'm going back into the office, but it was like before. Yeah. I listen, to, I, I probably listened to 20, 30 books in, you know, 2018. And then like last year, I didn't listen to really any. Um, so I'm kind of the same way with the phases. Um, that wraps up our five and five Final question we'd like to end on, Matt, with uh, all our guests is, what is some advice that you have for a young player looking to one day play lacrosse professionally? Yeah, um, you know, I would say a couple pieces, but um, I, I think a young player, I, I think you just have to enjoy it, really. I think, you know, play a lot of sports. I, I think there's so much carryover between one sport to another, and I think as a younger player, um, it allows each sport to be refreshing um, so that you're enjoying you know, playing, if you're, you know, if you're a younger guy and you, you, you are tired of playing lacrosse, um, you're going to have a tough time play, playing throughout your whole life. Because um, at some point, you know, you get to college and all that, like it does get pretty close to like a, a full-time job and you don't get the opportunity to play those other sports. Um, so I would say really enjoy playing it. Um, 
make sure you're having fun, find fun ways to get better. So like even playing, like pick up with your friends, like the three by stuff or get creative with games and ways you practice. I think it's great to have a balance of like really hard discipline practice, but then just fun ways to, you know, not feel like you're practicing a playing pickup and, and, you know, making a game out of things is, is a good way to do it. If you're not, you know, if you're not enjoying playing at a younger age, then I, I just don't, I don't think you'll progress the way um, a lot of people that really enjoy and have a passion for going out and picking up the stick and, and doing their shooting or playing catch will. Um, so I would think find ways to make it fun, make it interesting. Um, you know, keep your stick in your hands, have, you know, uh, have some patience with it because like I mentioned earlier, I, I was in and out of it younger just because it is difficult until you can, you know, catch and throw and, and shoot where you want to shoot. It's, it's not that fun of a sport when you can't catch and throw it. So be some, have some patience, work on your stick skills, um, but try to have fun while you're doing it. No, I think that's some great advice, especially for young players too, that, you know, you experience so much burnout to just make sure you're enjoying the game. Um, and I think that's an important advice. Well, Matt, we appreciate you coming on. I'll let people know where they can find you on social media. Yeah. So uh, I'm on Instagram at Matt underscore done 33, uh, Twitter at I'm done tweeting. Um, and th those are the big ones for me. Yeah. I don't, I don't tweet that much, but I probably post a little more on Instagram. Awesome. Uh, well, thanks Matt for joining us. We appreciate it again. Congrats on the 2020 PLO championship and uh, best of luck with the Georgia swarm this upcoming season as well. Awesome. Appreciate it. Thank you guys. Today, I also want to talk to you about our affiliate Streaker Sports. Streaker Sports features an array of throwback t-shirts and apparel, including t-shirts of defunct major indoor lacrosse league teams such as the Baltimore Thunder, New York Saints, Syracuse Smash, and Boston Blazers. They also provide custom uniforms and shorts that are perfect for your rep team's upcoming lacrosse tournament or season. Better yet, we've teamed up with Streaker Sports to provide you with a special discount. Simply visit StreakerSports.com and use the code PLT to save 15% on your order today.